Let's pray. Father, my prayer is that you will be with us as we come and worship you and your lovely son Jesus in this place. Father, I'm not sure what we've all come here ready to do and the baggage that we all carry. I know what's going on in my mind and I know that you do too. I pray, Lord, that you will open our hearts to hear you. That you will help us to take something that we hear or sing or that we talk about with other people today and make it change us so that we will show the world around us that we are close to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So whilst Andrew comes up and gives us the announcements, could we uh, have the collection bags go round? The, there's two collections, one for the general fund and one for the building fund. Andrew. Morning, everybody. Good to see you all here. Lovely morning, isn't it? Um, it's lovely to see Ellie's mum and dad here with us as well. Jackie and Jim, very warm welcome to you from Guildford. And... Nice to see Amber with us again. And anybody else I've missed, warm welcome to you all. These are the announcements for today and the, the coming week. And they're all in God's hands. And we do pray, Lord, that you'll guide us in, in what we do. Debbie and Trevor are in the creche this morning. Um, looking after the creche, rather. Uh, Debbie and Trevor. And <laughs> Oops. Um, and Steve's leading our service, of course, this morning. Youth Church at 2.45. And our evening service at 6 o'clock uh, is the second of our four evenings on um, the course we we're, we're running on Daniel, Future Secure or Insecure. And that's in the hands of John and Rosie and uh, Sylvia. Uh, on Tuesday, we have the Junior Club at 6.45. Our Bible reading group continues here in the Bethel as we're looking at uh, the book of Isaiah. And, of course, the coffee morning at 10.30. That's on Tuesday as well. Uh, just a reminder about the care committee. Thanks, Andrew. We are going to do the care announcements in a minute. But uh, first of all, I wanted to tell you something about me. And I'm not looking for sympathy, but I am looking for, you, for your fellowship in this. And I hope that you'll find something relevant. There are, I have two constant companions. One of them is back pain. And one of them is sin. And I found an analogy between them while I was thinking about this morning. My back pain is um, it's not acute. And there are people here who have much worse things to suffer. But, you know, it's what I feel. So it's what I know about. And it's constantly there. Well, it does die away a little bit at times. And there are other times when I feel it very acutely and, and I find it difficult to walk. So sometimes it doesn't influence my life very much and other times it does influence my life a lot. And, but all the time it is there and I'm, if I think about it, I'm always conscious of it. And sin is like that in my life as well. You know, there are, there are times when I think 
pretty much it doesn't affect me in the way that I behave, <clears throat> my sinful nature. And yet there are times when it, it really does, it changes the way I behave uh, for the worse. And then I'm racked with guilt about my behaviour and or lack of good behaviour. And I can do exercises for my back pain. I can do, I'm not, I'm not going to do them. My kids have seen them and they laugh so much that I think, uh, I don't want you to be left with that, that image today. But I can do exercises that, that reduce the effects of the pain on my back so that it doesn't influence um, my day-to-day -day activities. And we can do that in our spiritual lives, can't we? We can do exercises, maybe coming here is one of them, talking to brothers and sisters, praying, reading. We can do exercises which mitigate the sin, but they don't change our nature, really, do they? Uh, they just make it go away for a while. I, I don't want that to feel like a negative thing. <laughs> we, we're made this way for a reason, and it's because God made us in his image. He knew that we would need suffering to show compassion and that we would need sin to understand obedience and that we would need to understand hate so that we would really know love, his love. And I don't think of my life as a constant battle with back pain. I'm talking as if I do now because I'm trying to make an analogy. But I don't think of my life as a constant battle with back pain, luckily. Increasingly, though, I do celebrate the things that I can do and that I can achieve if I do exercise and if I do look after myself. I'm able to celebrate the life that I can lead. And I don't believe that our spiritual lives should feel like a constant battle with sin. I know we talk about it in those ways, and actually Paul talks about it in those ways sometimes. We talk about it as if it's a constant battle with sin. But that isn't the point of our existence here, to constantly battle with sin. The point is that we should be able to celebrate the things that we are capable of doing when we are obedient to God and when we're full of a Christ-like nature. And I was thinking about... Romans 7 and how Paul's talking in those chapters about how he struggles with sin and maybe maybe I've got this all wrong the premise for this talk you know I do all these things and I want to do these other things and I just can't get them out of my head and you know and he ends up in verse 24 of Romans 7 saying what a wretched man I am but that's not the end of that passage it is how we can feel when we come here sometimes because we're sort of confronted by the veneer of holiness that we all put on to come here. And for some reason we think this is where we approach God and Jesus and that they're not in our lives all the time. And so we can feel wretched, I think, sometimes. Paul cries out, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because the answer to all our prayers and the answer to all Paul's prayers is God. His gift of love, his gift of his son to bring us closer to him and to understand exactly what he intended for us is supposed to be 
I believe, the focus of our lives. Not dwelling on the things that we do wrong, but dwelling on the things that we are capable of and we are all capable of. In that context, I'm just going to share with you the care news for this week. And I'm not suggesting that any of these are specific to what I've been talking about, by the way. I'm just giving you some context for our lives and what I've been thinking about. Uh, Rosie prepared these notes, so thanks very much, Rosie. She said that it's very good to see uh, Anne, and I think Anne is here again. Yeah, Anne, who continues to make good progress. Is that your view as well? It's good. There's a nod from the back, especially after a week of Christine's good care, Rosie says. It's also to, good to see you, Gladys, again today. Um, we know you haven't been very well lately, and we've missed you when you've not been here, so it's great to see you back with us. Marion has had further hospital appointments and procedures this week and has had some better days. As always, she remains remarkably cheerful and loves hearing from people. Ian, it's good to see you here too. Um, you've had a hospital appointment this week and I understand from Rosie that you're progressing well. I think you look good in the new beard, but apparently that's coming off. So, um, And Ian does appreciate phone calls and visits um, and it's great to see you here when you can come. Rosie writes that she was able to see, or we were able to see Sam Parker earlier this week. He is much more positive, getting involved in lots of things, although this means he's not at South Lakes as often as he would like to be, and he sends his love to everyone. Continue to keep Esther and Johnny in our thoughts, who are here as well, um, and prayers as they await the birth of their new baby. And Rosie writes that we understand that Margaret Rowland's not been too well recently, although she and Norman still managed to support Pauline in all her needs, please can we keep Margaret and Norman and Alan McGore in our prayers and those we see rarely too. We're going to pray about those people we've just heard about, but I'd also like to give you an opportunity to say if there's anybody else you'd like to include in our welfare prayer. Well, if you just bow your heads, we'll offer a word of prayer. Father, You've brought a number of people to us today who have not been well. And it's really lovely to see them here with us. And when they're in our sights and we can see them, it's easy to go and give them a hug and tell them that we love them. But there are also those that need our care and who aren't here. And I pray that you'll keep those that we've heard about this morning in our minds when we go out of this place so that we can find out a bit more about what it is that they are struggling with and seek to be angels to them. Father, there will be people in this room who haven't put their hands up and might need your care and concern and we know that you know everything. I pray, Lord, that you will give all those that need your comfort the sense that you are acting in their lives and that whatever besets them in their world, that they will be able to see your guiding hand in it and at the very least take comfort from the knowledge that you love us so much you gave us your son. 
Father, help us to be real brothers and sisters to each other and to reach out and seek out the opportunities to help. But help us also to trust in you and to approach you in prayer constantly so that you can give us the wisdom that we don't have. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think in the, uh, in the context of what I was saying before, I want you to think about your lives, please. What, what are your analogies? What are the challenges that you have in your life <coughs> that become barriers because they blot out the vision of Jesus and they become your only struggle, your only battle? I was looking in uh, Colossians, which are the readings for today, and um, there's some quite striking examples of challenges that the Colossians presumably were struggling with, and that maybe people in here are as well. And they seem to be grouped together, and they seem to be contrasted towards the end with the love that, that God expects us to focus our lives on. And there's a group of sexual sins um, in chapter 3 and round about verse 5 which when you read them seem to be about avoiding things that are just so destructive and so distracting from the things of God so Paul's talking about evil desires about sexual sins about immorality about impurity about lust And about greed. It's interesting that they all go together. I don't think any of us could say that we have none none of those in our lives. And he also talks about some relationship breakers, if you like. Challenges in verse 8 of chapter 3 and beyond that, that seem to be the sort of things that would destroy relationships in families and in churches too he talks about anger and malice malice it's a strange word isn't it I suppose somebody can correct me but it's the kind of intention to cause harm is what I think of in malice slander gossiping about people Bad language, lying, setting out to deceive people, which I know I do. I do it to some extent in here with that veneer of goodness. But Paul doesn't leave those, and I don't want you to be dwelling on those. He doesn't leave those in Colossae with those he says you you need to move these things out of your life not just because it's about being obedient but because they do distract from god and from jesus and because they are relationship breakers and you need to fill yourself with signs of love 
compassion, kindness, humility, patience, gentleness, and forgiveness. And my sense is that the more we dwell on those, the more, the less room there is for the others. Because it's really hard, isn't it, if you're focusing on being gentle and patient and kind and forgiving to be angry and have malicious thoughts towards other people. So I wonder what you what you are challenged by. It's quite interesting that the Colossians seem to be found my pen now. The Colossians seem to be challenged by an awful lot of stuff actually. Um, <clears throat> their church was just round the corner from Laodicea. Uh, and Laodicea is I think one of the only letters in Revelation, one of the only churches that doesn't have anything positive to be said about it. So, And the, the, the things that, that were going wrong in Colossae were they thought that everything to do with the spirit was good and everything to do with the, the body, the carnal, was, was evil. They thought that salvation was linked to, to rituals and ceremonies. Just think about these in the context of your lives as well and mine. They thought that, that keeping the body in a, in a perfect condition was a really important thing as far as their religion was concerned. They worshipped angels. They didn't think that Christ had a, a divine nature. They denied his um, closeness to God. They thought that there was some type of secret knowledge that only they had that was required for salvation, that somehow they were special. They thought that traditions were important. They thought they could combine various different religions and, and link in those traditions. And they thought, to some extent, by some of their behaviours, that immorality wasn't bad in itself. And so you can get a picture. Maybe they weren't all like this, and maybe this was just a selection of the people that were in the church at Colossae. But you can get a picture of a fairly negative church, can't you? And you might imagine that when Paul writes his relatively short letter to them, that he would go in and stick the boot in and say, look, this is just not right. Your beliefs and behaviours are totally the antithesis of what God has set out and the good news in Jesus. And therefore, you know, sort it out or get out. That might be my reaction to it. And yet just listen to the way that Paul speaks to them. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers at Christ, in, in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pay for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. The faith and love that springs from hope and that's stored up for you in heaven that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. And so he goes on. You might think that Paul was sort of bigging them up to make them feel good so that he could sort of soften them up for the rest of the book. But my sense of this is that Paul recognised that a church, just like he was, was a, a complete mix-up of good and bad and ugly. 
And that despite all of this stuff that was going on in Colossae that he felt he needed to write to them about, they were his brothers and sisters, people of God, who he was excited about and prayed and give thanks, gave thanksgiving for because he knew that they were in Christ, that they were hidden away, kept safe by, by God in Jesus. And to some extent, you know, I, I don't think there is an expectation that we will be perfect at this time. So if we are concentrating the whole time on, on the sins that we do and the battle with sin in our lives, you know, we're not going to change that much. We might be able to change our behaviours and we, we should dwell on all those good things, but, but we have a personality and we have weaknesses and we have failings. And we are going to fail. And if we are going to spend our whole time just worrying about that failure, then we've missed the point. We've missed the start of the letter to Colossians that says that we give thanks to God for you. From my perspective, the only way to see through this and to not dwell on ourselves is to dwell on Jesus. It's not about you and it's not about me. It wasn't about the Colossians. The biggest challenge that they had probably was really not believing in the divine nature of Jesus, that he was the son of God and that as a raised king he was next to God in heaven. So Paul is at, lay, is at pains at the end of that first chapter to, to give them a real clear picture of this, to say it's not about you, the Colossians. It's not even about me. It's about trusting in Christ, about living our lives to please Jesus, about confession and submission and commitment. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, Things in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, to reconcile to himself, to reconcile to God all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. And so we're going to spend some time now in song thinking about exactly this. We're going to sing three hymns together and contemplate, before we have the bread and wine, the fact that it is all about Jesus. And the first one of these is Jesus is King and I will extol him, give him the glory and honour his name. He reigns on high, enthroned in the heavens, word of the Father, exalted for us. Selfish ambition, 
or vacancy. To humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Is it the name of Jesus? Every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Luke's going to pray for us for the bread. Lord God, you are awesome and you're life-changing. And we love you. We really do. We're here today, Lord, to remember just how much you love us too. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for everything it represents. Lord, please forgive us where we go wrong. And, but thank you that no matter how far away we do stray, no matter how many worries and doubts and problems we might face, you're always there and that by your good grace through Jesus, you'll always count us as yours. Help us to be more like him, Lord, and to, to follow his example and shine your light to the people we see this week. We ask this prayer through Jesus. Amen. Jim's going to offer a word of prayer for us. Our loving Father, we come into your presence with our constant companions. You know better than anybody else what those are. We also come into your presence with mixed emotions, that we beg forgiveness for the wretched people that we are, but we also celebrate the new creations we are becoming through your grace. And as we come to the wine now, we ask for your blessing upon us as we take this symbol of a life poured out in absolute submission to which we aspire. So please hear our prayer because we ask it through him who made it all possible, who showed us the way and showed us how and why we do these things.
Amen. We're going to celebrate the two songs now. Uh, the first one from Praise the Lord and the second from the hymn book. Um, All hail the Lamb, enthroned on high. His praise shall be our battle cry. He reigns victorious, forever glorious. His name is Jesus. He is the Lord. So maybe we don't need to change the way we think God sees us. I know I do, though. I was thinking, what do I come here for? Do I come here to sort of whine about what I can't do and what I'm not capable of and run away and escape from what I should be doing? Moses said no, didn't he? He said, no, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak in front of kings and, and tell them your way. And yet God knew what he was capable of and he took him to places that he could never have imagined. And Jonah said, no, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to run as far as I can in the other direction. But God knew what he was capable of. God knows what you are capable of. Our job, I believe, is not to get hung up on what we can't do, but to concentrate on what we are capable of in Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So stay seated while we sing this song and just contemplate if you will that Jesus loves the church he gave himself for his bride he knows what we will be a conquering army an unblemished people because we are accepted we are forgiven and we are united in him and then John will close in prayer afterwards thank you Holy Father you give us so much, Father. Thank you for this morning when we can look at ourselves perhaps a bit more honestly and, and endeavour to look at you and, and see the loveliness that is you. Lord, I know that you know Steve and you know his problems. I know that you know mine. And you... I know what the problem is with me. The problem with me is that I get in the way. I fantasize about me. I see me in all the good roles and with all the strength and, and all the other things, Lord, you know. David said somewhere, Lord, that he wanted to sit and gaze upon your glory. Lord, I want to be like that. 
I think we all want to be like that. I don't think we are. I think we find it ever so difficult to just sit and gaze on your goodness, your love, your wonderful glory. Lord Jesus, the disciples found it difficult to live with you and to just gaze at the goodness that you are. But Lord, help us to do it. Help us to live with you, not just to talk to you once in a while in the day, but to have you by our side all of the time. Not to necessarily think about you all the time. I know that doesn't happen. Life isn't like that. But to live with you and at times to sit and gaze at the goodness, at the love that you are. Please help us in this. And thank you. Amen.